everyone, and welcome to the SpotCo podcast. Before we dive in, we want to do a little experiment. Think of a Broadway musical that you've seen. Now, are you picturing its poster or what it looked like on stage? Today's episode dives into this relationship between a show's brand and the physical production itself. And to break it down with us, we're thrilled to welcome Broadway scenic designers Anna Luizos and Scott Pask. Anna is the designer behind such shows as Avenue Q, In the Heights, and School of Rock. And Scott's credits include The Book of Mormon, Pippin, and two new musicals this season, Mean Girls and The Band's Visit. Enjoy the show, hosted by Spotco's very own Jeff Perry and Lisa Lewis. Take it away, Jeff and Lisa. Hi, everyone. My name is Jeff Perry. I work here at Spotco. I'm an ad operations manager, and I'm joined here by uh, Lisa Lewis, who is one of our senior creative directors here at Spotco. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Glad to be here. Yes. And today, we have two fabulous special guests with us who are friends of mine, and I've known them for quite a while now. Um, we have set designers, Broadway set designers, Anna Luisos and Scott Pask joining us today. Hi, guys. Hi. Great to be here. Yes. So happy to see you both here early in the morning, 8.30. <laughs> um, so today's podcast is we're going to explore how when Spotco is creating key art, um, how we get influence from uh, the set designers, how we look at your designs, how we incorporate maybe some elements from that into the final execution of the design, and vice versa. When you guys see our art or that process, um, sometimes it I see it in the set, uh, the logo or whatnot. So it's kind of what we're going to go through today. So when we're creating a brand, we, of course, I mean, we want to create a striking image, but it has to be more than the pretty face of the art. Um, it has to do uh, work for us and help us solve our marketing challenges. We imagine that it's similar with your guys' set design and how it's, you know, the show and how you're going to accomplish everything that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you, of course, need to create a striking stage picture, but the physical design needs to be to serve many other goals, such as providing for smooth logistical transitions. Very important. Can you tell us about the, you know, the various goals you have to keep in mind when you are designing a show? Who wants to take that first? That's a loaded, that's a, that's a big question. Who wants to take it first? Well, whatever, we'll start. Go ahead. Um, I don't, that is a hard one. Um, where do we start? Um, I always think about it, it, for me, I mean, I start as an architect, so I start feeling about what's the, the space like, what's the environment? And I kind of think in, in the world of, like, containers and things like that first, mm-hmm. and then start to funnel down from that point of view. But it's also, like, even, I mean, in that world, how it's different. It's like our work isn't finished until the people are on, people are on the stage, too. So it's also kind of, like, making sure that, like, for me, that, you know, that the environment isn't completely, completely wrapped up or completely, right, you know. I don't know. It's not something I was thinking about last week when I saw something. I was like, oh, yeah, it's like, not quite there, and then everybody kind of came on. I was like, there, there it is. Mm-hmm. And now let's come. There you go. Um, unrelated to this, I mean, logos and things like that. I was thinking this morning about a project that I did that started early on, and I remember working with Drew on it. I was doing a project that was called Steady Rain with Hugh Jackman yeah. and Daniel mm-hmm. Craig. Yes, great show. And I remember we were like rehearsing in an undisclosed location, and we had this huge photo shoot, and I did a close on that as well. So we were out in Brooklyn, and 
and we sat there and doing the shoot and, and and I knew what the key art was so that's how I would dress them for the for the, the shoot and sort of segueing completely away from the question <laughs> into something that I feel like I want to talk about I love it go you go girl you go good Coco but, exactly exactly but no, I just thought, I remember running back and forth because Drew and I have always had a shorthand. And Drew for those listeners who don't know, yeah, Drew and Hodges, friend and former like you have to tell me what his exact title he was. He was the founder, founder uh, and CEO for many years of Spotco. Yeah, he founded Spotco with Rent. I think Rent was his first project. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Spotco, and then yeah. it became Spotco, and now it's the behemoth it is today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So Drew and I, we go way back, and we're all very close friends, and he. Um, I remember seeing the key art and I said, well, this is what we should do. And it's a play about like the sort of almost a ghost story, betrayal, people accepting identities of the other and, and this kind of wayward thing. But I remember seeing the key art going, oh my God, that's amazing. And Daniel has very blue eyes and he doesn't, but there was this overlap of the it's two of them. Kind of blurred. It became yeah. like this, yes. the one eye was shared by both of them. And I remember this overlap of those two faces seeing it and we were taking the pictures and the makeup artist was another friend from England and we were sitting there hovering over the thing as we would like snap the pictures and they would pull them together like, okay we have to get the light over there a little more and then you kept merging the images and Drew was over there working digitally like throughout the whole shoot and it was so fascinating kind of seeing which shot was better for that overlay and when they kind of matched and it is kind of such a striking image to me it's like that blue eye of Daniel's overlapping with Hughes I don't know, that was just, I just remember that this morning when I was coming in here, kind of, God, I remember that process. No, okay, here we go. So when, did you have the, you know, set Was the set conceived? Yeah, it was conceived. The set was conceived. It was. It was kind of the, what you had, kind of the feel what was happening during that shoot? I think that was more about the mood. The mood, Like, the mood of what what Drew and Spock was doing was related to the mood of the set, as opposed to, like, a direct image transfer Mm -hmm. or something else. It was more like the environment was these almost ghostly images that kept kind of recurring, and, like, there would be these elaborate pieces of scenery, and they were all behind a scrim and all knife edges, so you didn't see anything, and, and nothing moved, and it was, everything was carpeted, so you couldn't hear anything. In a way, it was it betrayed my own work, because I was like, so quiet with those projections. <laughs> no, there's a ton of scenery up there. <laughs> but these images would kind of drift into vision and into view, and then um, and in the same way that like, the art did. It was it like did, this yeah. kind of transfer of these objects, like, the visages of them in yeah, a way. The faces yeah, it was really merging cool. almost. Yeah. Um, and the carpeting crazy. really affected the, I mean, that was the sound design of the play as well. So you're right. working with the you sound design. And that's yeah. part of the collaboration that for you're sure, having with the whole sure. themes of the play. It's very And like the idea of like when backstage scenery is, is moving, usually there's like a little, there's something. You're kind of like, it's this quest to make things quiet. So oh, interesting. That you don't hear anything. Like even a turntable is always a little, there's something yeah. going on, and which reflects to like the band's visit, which I'm doing now, which is one of the quietest shows I've ever done for that reason, because it's such a quiet musical. But then in the case of this, it was like, there are two guys on stage and there's no score or underscoring. You're like, we can't hear. And these transitions are happening, but they're actually quite like 20 minutes in between, so we could take the full 20 minutes to have swung one out moving. and do it really slow. Well, wow, that's cool. All right. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Anna, goals. A loaded question. What's your What's your process? I mean, I I used to work in your office, in oh, your studio, right. and seeing you at work, 
And it's a long process. Both of your guys' your processes are years, right? I mean, like a year, usually a year or two out. And yeah, if you have the luxury of time, yes, it can be. It can be easily. I think because uh, you need to really explore every every possible avenue and detour that yeah. that could come up during the course of developing a musical or a play. And the thing is, if it's a new musical, invariably there are going to be lots of changes mm -hmm. because uh, people are making adjustments constantly. The writer is rewriting, the director is reconceiving. Uh, What's that like? You know, I. What is that like, cre like creating something for a brand new project? It's, There's nothing there. No, it's but it's very exciting because you realize that you're a big part of shaping <sighs> shaping the production. So, uh, for that reason, um, you know, you really got to make every effort to. To 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 troubleshoot as much mm -hmm. as you yeah, can right, because yeah. there's so many pitfalls. You know that you could you could if you if you hang yourself in too quickly. Uh, it could come back to bite you later because I think you need to really um, think ahead for everyone. You have to think ahead for the director, for the choreographer, for the actors, you know, the, the composer, no. everyone, and, and try to provide them as many options early on so that, that you can discuss, you know, ways that you might get the stage something this way yeah. or that way, and um, and then it becomes a process of elimination, I think. And then over time, you. Uh, it depends also on the director, I think. Right, yeah, Because sure. sometimes there are directors who are very strong, have a very strong central idea for a, a musical or a play. And so, of course, that's my goal is to give the director what, what the director wants. Right. Um, but sometimes the choreographer will, uh, you know, express a need for more space or more entrances, and all of those things become part of what you have to to, to, to consider when you're designing something. To, to circle back on what, what Anna said also about new musicals as opposed to, say, doing a revival, because I was just thinking about a couple of revivals that I've worked yeah. on with you guys, and then, you know, it's, I always think about it like creating a puzzle where you've got extra pieces or mm -hmm. something like that, where the flexibility has to be, while you're creating a specificity and not keeping it so generic that it's just like, oh, we can do this and do that, and it's like, right. mm -hmm. here's the, the, like, the, the approach to the show, and then there are options and all of that, but every time that someone asks me, well, should we do that? It's like, oh, you know, well, if I do this, this will give me three more possibilities. So mm -hmm. it's it's just thinking about how to keep it as flexible as possible, and yeah. it can't come down to the simplest decisions. I was like, someone was asking me something the other day, I'm like, oh, should that be black surge or black blue? I'm like, well, if it's black surge, we'll match that, and da 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 da. And you just had a reason for mm -hmm. it. And I just would be like, for me, the, the the designs that I enjoy the most are the ones that tell you what they want to be after a certain point. They're like. They answer the questions themselves. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's not even it's no brainer. It has to be that. And yeah. Um, but yeah, the flexibility of that while still keeping a, a strong design is, is important. It's very important, right? And then you know, I for our listeners, you know, the set designer is usually the first person, the first point of contact for a director. And right. you after guys the, after are, the author. After the yeah, the author, the lyricist, and all those folks. But you guys are the first. Well, it's also the first impression that an audience member has. Exactly. Even when you're a note or a word, the first thing you see when you walk in the door, whether it's even a part of a lobby experience or an environmental experience, like we're the curators of that experience. Well, I, I feel like that is an ongoing theme that we're seeing now is that the set is now bleeding into the 
the full theater. It does often. Yeah, it's extending, like, into opportunities in the lobby for the audience. And great comment, which you guys didn't do, but it was, like, a fully immersive experience when you guys went in. So I'm seeing that a lot at shows, that the experience is starting as soon as you walk into the lobby. Mm -hmm. And then you get into the theater and, you know, but just to hop onto that point. Um, but Lisa, mm-hmm. can you tell us how our process is at Spaco when we are developing the art? Sure. We actually love to work with set designers. One of the first things we often ask our producing team is whether we can get inside the workshop of a set designer and see their mood boards, see their sketches. It doesn't always work out because sometimes we start much in advance of the design process, but when it does, it is always fruitful and really exciting for us because there's so many, from colors to, to textures and fonts to how the designer is conceiving of whether it's going to be a big, uh, you know, I feel like a big production or feel like an intimate space or whether it will look, whether there's a dominant theme or a dominant color palette that they're working with. All that stuff influences the work that we do and really helps us to align on what the show's visual look is, which is really important for us. So anytime that we can get in with a designer is really exciting. What we often do is put together mood boards and photograph them. So if we can't get into a designer's workshop, we'll make our own mood boards and try to send them along to designers um, through the production team and see if they have any thoughts or want to send us some images of their own. Um, it's, it's generally really helpful for us. Sometimes we'll start a project and won't have access, get halfway through the project, get access, and then everything changes, which is never fun. Um, but it, you know, it helps ultimately in the long run, because the set design uh, is really integral to the way the show is perceived. As you said, it's the first thing an audience member sees when they walk into the theater. It sets the tone, uh, whether they're going to feel comfortable or uncomfortable, or whether they're going to feel it's aspirational or exciting or this or that. You know, it really affects the experience of the show, and we want to make sure that's what the promise of the show is. We talk a lot in advertising about what we're selling is the promise of the experience that the audience member is going to get. And in order... To be able to articulate that promise, we really need to understand what the designers, what the directors are, are hoping for. I want to talk about two specific shows for both of you guys. And um, Scott, we'll start with you. Um, you were telling me the story about The Pillow Man. Uh-huh. Um, and for the audience, The Pillow Man uh, was a Tony, won a Tony Award for that, that set design. And um, the key art... Um, I, I think, really reflects what um, was happening on stage. Um, I saw it. Um, wasn't working at Spock at the time, but there was this, this two-story... Uh, mm-hmm. um, you explain. Two-story in the back. I, I can't remember. Well, it remember. took place in a cell. I mean, a, a cell in sort of an unnamed sort of Western European or Eastern European country. And But it's it was all about storytelling, that, that play for me and, and for everyone. And there were a number of tales that were being told while this man is incarcerated and being um, interrogated. And so the sight lines of the original theater where I designed it at the National in London um, almost dictated how it was going to tell that because I wanted them to coexist. And I wanted him to stay in the cell. And I just thought, well, of course those things have to be above his head then. And naturally, there were thoughts as well. So it was almost like this giant thought bubble or this dream space. So as he was at this table, 
the, the upper, the back wall behind him would just dissolve, and what looked like a very tall cell with windows up high on, on both sides, all of a sudden the wall dissolved, and all the stories that he was describing would kind of be enacted up there in a sort of very exaggerated way. And then one of them, there was sort of a good bedroom and a bad bedroom about this child that has been raised by his good parents, and then hmm. next door, his brother was being tortured by the same parents and that little pitched roof that made it was basically I think the diagram that became the key art mm-hmm. and then at the time like Spaco at that point took it and just ran with the idea of the actors and the kind of collaged picture with like the just exaggerated scale of them and, and the, the claustrophobia yeah, yeah the claustrophobia yeah, yeah. And it, but I just it's Grimm's fairy tale gone dark it and captured like, what was yeah, happening. The mood was great. It was just yeah. so perfect. It's one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. I love favorite posters. Yeah, it's for like, sure. It's monochromatic. Yeah. Well, so it has yeah. this, It's desaturated. And the no, set was very really much cool. like that, too. Yeah, the set was actually green. Was it? The, the entire that? cell was yeah. really, wow. really dark yeah, green. It was very yeah. like, yeah. And it went from like, yeah, it was green here, and then it got dark, 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 dark. Because it went up. Just like a table in the center. Table in the center. And there was like a chair rail. A door. Door down left. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then upper window. So like when we shifted location to the other cell, it would be like you would, the light went off here and then it came on the other one because we were in two cells. There was the adjoining cell where the brother was with the two beds. And so we accomplished that transition by by switching them like lights upstairs. Like when I look at this, the Kia, we're looking at the Kia listeners, uh, the Pillow Man and... The, what's so striking to me is that Jeff Goldblum up top, you know, with the boy, it's just, to me, that tells, like, so much story. Yeah. You know, what am I about to go see? Okay, well, I'm, there's a yeah. child, there must be... Interrogation. Interrogation, well, authority. Like, yes, yeah. the scale of this. Um, and if you know... You know, Jeff Goldblum, who is an enormous individual, mm-hmm. you know, that all, you, you also get an extra level of how tight and claustrophobic right. and intense this whole production yeah. will be. And then you have Billy Crudup down below and who's writing. He's writing, so okay, yeah. this is going to be a story yeah. play. You're not going to go right. in there and someone's going to probably break the fourth wall or, yeah. you know, yeah. tell me a story. So I just love it. Um, those elements are a lot of, you know, when we look at a title of the show, we often, I mean, The Pillow Man certainly is, is a great example of this. What doesn't it tell the audience that they may need to know? Mm-hmm. So with this, it doesn't tell you a whole lot. Um, so when we approach something like this, we really need to figure out, like, what does an audience need to know to understand what the show-going experience is going to be like? And in mm-hmm. this sense, we wanted to make sure that it was about a little bit about storytelling, that it has a kind of horror feel to it. That yeah. there's a certain claustrophobia and intensity that you're going to experience when you're there. Obviously, Martin, you know, people who are familiar with Martin McDonough, they'll yeah. they'll know that going in. But in case they're not, we really wanted to translate that. And yeah. so, I know that the set really helps. In you know, what in the set was there forced perspective when there was? was so, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of that. Also, I'm just looking at this and looking at also an important part of, of the graphic identities of all these pieces and the, the typeface on mm. that. I remember speaking with Drew. Because I've been looking at a lot of wood blocks and Eastern European typography and a lot of um, books that were old to like figure out. Because there were there was a show curtain on that that had written in a wood block this kind of great kind of font that I'd found and it kind of rolled up like an old story time curtain at the beginning and at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean this type is great because it kind of it's like. 
don't know, like there's something about just even this A that looks a little bit like, oh God, what kind of scary... Like a communist. Yeah, what kind of scary world are we in? Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, um, that just brings up good memories. Oh, pleasant memories about the preliminary. Yeah, thank you, Scott. Now, Anna, I want to talk about In the Heights. So... I was actually, I read the article you just posted about the translucent, um, yeah, and the painting and everything. I thought was so fascinating about the lost art that's happening with uh, our scenic painters and uh, our drops that, uh, the you know, the hand-painted drops. Are they being digitized now? Is that what you're... Oh, well, a lot of them are being printed, yes. Economic purposes. I thought maybe projections, too, but that's interesting. Yeah, Yeah. of course, that's it. It's just getting more expensive because you have hand you know, yeah of course you need to pay these artists to do the work that they do but they are so worth it because You're right. work, there's nothing that compares to hand painting so Just when you were designing in the heights how many locations mm. did you go through you know this the set is a very specific location or it's a conglomerate of locations yeah, it's just kind of an amalgamation an amalgamation of, <laughs> of, of several corners yeah so in in the key art really reflects what's on stage and the energy that you brought to your design. I, I feel that mm-hmm. the key art, it captures that energy and the layers of that set. Mm-hmm. You know, you had that translucent, um, was this, what, what fabric was it? Muslin. Muslin. <laughs> and so when the light, you could see through the buildings and you could see beyond what was behind there. Yeah. You know, and... Well, the space... the, the well, you know, we did it off Broadway originally uh, at Thirty Seven Arts, and then um, so that was like the prototype for the for the design. Um, and when we uh, when the decision was made to move to Broadway, the um, the producers very specifically said, "We don't want any automation. We want it to we, we want to do a, a a simple set. Figure out how to do it without any yes, kind uh, of moving yeah. scenery." And so, did you have automation off Broadway? No, we didn't. Okay, nice. We didn't. So it was the, it was kind of the, the mandate from the bit, very beginning. Um, and so, uh, given the fact that in the script it describes various places, you know, you go to different places in the script. So mm. and it moves quickly. Yeah, you, you know, know. And so my first, you know, when I first yeah, read yeah, it, when you see a script like that <clears throat> on theater on stage, it has multiple locations. What is your? Because I know when you know when writers approach something like that, they're, they're either thinking about. Oh, I can't, or whatever. I'm going to go, and the designer will figure it out. A lot of, a lot of writers write that way. Anymore. Yeah, they, they write like movies. Yeah. yeah, so many locations. Yeah, yeah. So, what, what do you think when you look at something like that? It's like the band's visit. There's multiple aren't they going multiple locations. Yeah. There's a turntable. Yeah. I mean, it's based on a script. That one's literally based on a screenplay. Yeah. I think that's changed over time. I what? think though, like I, I mean, I'm always fascinated about distilling that all because I think if and I think this gets back to the thing that we were even talking about new musicals and and how we craft a sort of space that can be flexible I mean the more that we're like oh when this turns a half wheel and the, 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 the more you get hemmed into something like that the less ability you have to be flexible about it but in the case of the of like the band's visit it's a container with a turntable and a, a an object on it that has a myriad of possibilities and, yeah. and there can be so many and we can always shift that around so that wasn't something that was ever a, an mm-hmm. obstacle but I think when we read these multiple locations sometimes I'll see like oh my god it's exhausting so like <laughs> the first conversation becomes 
hey, so are we trundling stuff? Or is this something where we can distill this into a... Yeah, how how real? Or can I create a poetic crucible for this Mm -hmm. where we have pieces or something that can kind of create a bigger identity or vocabulary that's more... Or are we wanting to... You know, that becomes like the first conversation where like, what's the approach? Yeah, Yeah. I think... And both can be gratifying. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, if... if you choose to be literal, then you're going to be trying with furniture on mm-hmm. all the time. But I think um, with something like Heights, where we went to a number of places, it's funny, but my first impulse was the scenery was going to move. That mm-hmm. we would, you know, either revolve the stage or track things on, mm-hmm. and that was when that was eliminated very early on. And I was grateful for it mm-hmm. because I had to I had to think uh, differently about how this set was was put together. So. And because there's a limited space, you know, you have the width of a proscenium, basically, to create your stage picture. Uh, if you just had a, you know, a street scene where you just had it all flat, and all you saw was, you know, four storefronts, that wasn't, that didn't work for this. So I wanted to be able to create this sense of uh, depth and mm-hmm. and multiple streets. So that's when I came up with this idea of layering the buildings and making what distinguishes the, that part of the city, which is mostly pre-war buildings, is the architectural details around mm-hmm. the windows and uh, the coins on the corners of the buildings and the the, the tops of the buildings where all the you know the crown yeah I remember the, the cornices are. It's funny because I live up in Hamilton Heights, oh. I'm close to Washington Heights. Right. I'll walk around the streets and be like, oh, you know, just and I think I'm in the Heights. Right. Well, because those are the things that distinguish that mm. I think. The, the surfaces of the buildings were the least important, so that's where it was all printed uh, speaker mesh and scrim, mm-hmm. so you could see through the buildings, and then I could do another layer of buildings behind it, but we could also populate God, the amazing. upper levels, and you could see through the buildings, you know, so... And it was all forced perspective. Yeah, and the perspective beautiful. helped us a lot, because we we could create the sense that it was much deeper than it actually Deeper, was. and it created this energy that, you know... That is so vibrant up in Washington Heights, Hamilton Heights, you know, and I think just you really captured that, and that energy. Is, and people are on the street all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People on the street, people engaged in activities, and, and because it was supposed to be in the middle of summer, yeah, it was yeah, hot, yeah. everyone's outside, and everyone's... I mean, it's so reflected the culture and reflected the, yeah. the play in the best way. Yeah. Which is what we wanted also, to do like, I, find it, I don't yeah. know if you find it gratifying. I always love when I can do, like, a space, because I feel like then it can get hyper-detailed and... Mm. Oh, I don't know. When you what say a space. Do I mean, like, 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 yeah, yeah, like I mean, that's like a big installation. I mean, like a big environment, or like, yeah, and something where I did, like I'm just thinking of, like the visit, where it was like some giant, yeah. dilapidated railroad thing in a ridiculous perspective, but um, where you're sitting there and like nothing has to move, so all those oh, you can just fill it crazy. out and fill yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. gratifying in a different way, but. Now, was that painted like, that horse perspective, or was that like it was all a structure? Yeah, there's all a structure. It was a structure. Yeah, okay. and it existed in a black void. But then, even like like Ben's visit, where the whole like the surround is kind of stable or stays there, it can get. I don't know. There's something fun about that. That maybe it's more the architects than me in a way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have always. But I remember loved... loving that like that set that Anna did because it's just like it had such a beautiful perspective to it, and then just that bridge. But and that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah, and that's why it's like it's such a great relationship between the key art and the set. Yeah. Really, it's like I, I think yeah. it's a fabulous relationship between the set and the key art. We were incredibly inspired by the set. Obviously, you can see, but part of what it was was the idea of community 
And I think that's what the set for us really evoked is that all of these people were were in a world with each other all the time, overlapping, as you said, in the streets, hanging out the windows, you know, like, and this was their home. And and it, it we really wanted to capture that sense of it and also just how it really And those layers. You can see yeah, it. absolutely. The, the, the people actually create the layers in the key art here. Mm-hmm. You, you're, you're seeing story with Lynn there and then you have the urban dancers, but then you have... Daniela and Carla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Abuela yeah. in the back. So yeah. that kind of layering in the key mm-hmm. art that you did so be- beautifully in your design. It also, yeah. it, it also has... A sun-kissed mm, yeah. Yes, you know, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's hopeful and aspirational, too. Right, but you also feel the heat and yeah. the, the temperature. Yeah. Our commercial the foreground background, was also... The depth of all, like yeah. the depth of us yeah. the space, yeah. Our, our, um, our motion commercial for this was also very much taken from the the set design, which was on, on, the, on a street corner with... Um, oh, I don't know yeah. if you remember, it I had remember. water coming out of the, the fire hydrant. Oh, that's a staple of Washington Heights. We just love, we just love that, and took a lot of inspiration from it, as well as from, as you can see, the logo, which is its own mark in itself. Oh, with, yeah. You know, the bodega logo. Yeah. Again, to you, Anna. Mm-hmm. School of Rock. Yes. It's fabulous. Now, mm-hmm. I remember when you were designing School of Rock, the logo was actually being designed at the same time. Yes. And this is an instance where I think the logo was created and you put that on the show drop. Yes, I did. I did. Now, does that happen often when you have to include the logo or is that like by choice? No, it was a choice. It was a choice. No, I thought this, this show seemed to ask for a show curtain. Uh-huh. And and we wanted to me it was the brand of the show so I I thought this just reinforces the brand of the show um, because it's it, it's such a popular movie mm-hmm. and I think the hope was that this was going to become a popular musical and that we would be able to you know play it in multiple mm-hmm. places and and it was you know it had the imprimatur of Andrew Lloyd Webber mm-hmm. so um, I thought it had a good future and I think we we, we thought it would be a really good uh, way to Bring the show with the logo, uh-huh. the brand. What about you, Scott? Has there ever been a moment where uh, you know the key art is needed, or you know you decided to put it on a show curtain or in the set somewhere? Um, I'm looking at Pippin uh, that's on the monitor here, and I remember like the same. It's a good conflagration of. But I remember I was looking at pattern for that, and like I did the out of town and. Mm-hmm. It's all to come to place in a tent, and I felt the tent needed another layer of, of imagery on it. So I started, so I added this kind of harlequin, you know, checkerboard diamond pattern to it, and then we we had a show curtain at the top, but then at intermission we brought in this harlequin pattern curtain that yeah. has yeah. the typography on it, and that was when we green, blues, yellow, exactly, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So we did use the the type that was developed here for that. And that so was such a fun cool. thing to walk into the theater, just as an audience member, and have that, I mean, there was a great curtain. Uh-huh. It was like, but it added a little bit of... No, it was, just the, it was just the pieces, because then those got pulled down. Right, and then intermission, this was the... Oh, because I just remember having all these pictures, of course, yeah, just pictures, the, yeah, you know, the pictures of the curtain, the which I love so yeah, much. Yeah, so it was cool, because like you walked in, and this was the first one, and then the second one was that. Yeah, I so love that. Do you ever keep that at, like, Is that a thought when you like you're doing like a show curtain? Like, well, people are probably going to take photos of this, so this is a great sure. opportunity yeah. to just mark sure. the show, put it there. 
you know. Hello um, Dolly has that as well. Like it's a big, big for people who are going to take pictures. Like, and then again, that's back to this fan engagement thing. That's a big part of. Or Glenn Close, her, the, her big face yeah. in Sunset Boulevard at intermission came down. Mm. <laughs> um, like her, her big face. <laughs> Sorry, I love, I love Glenn. I love Large Glenn. Glenn and her big face. Uh, oh, she's. Anyways, I did have a whole soap box about Glenn Close and my love for her and how I used to dress up as her. Oh, that's a whole side of you. You better believe I have a turban. I got the heels. I got the. I've seen the moo moo. Oh my god. No, she has seen the. Oh, I've seen pictures. Well, I went. Anna invited me to her house in the summer, and you better believe I just wore a costume. My moo moo was all I wore. I brought a costume trunk. What is, you know, actually, here's a better question. What is it like to see the key art? you know, that Spocko creates when, you know, what is that when you guys see it for the first time? What do you guys think? What is, what are your reactions? I mean, I think uh, Avenue Q was the really mm. first time where uh, I thought that so the key art really informed. It's like that fur, right? The yeah, fur the, the, the furry, you know, it had the, the circle, had that subway logo, you know, and, and so I think initially good. it was a, it was the yellow color of the Q line. But it's yes. also uh, supposed to suggest a street. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's Avenue Q. Oh, oh yeah, my yeah. God. Well, what about you, Scott? <clears throat> I mean, that's a great... I mean, Avenue Q is a great one. I mean, I was just thinking back on, like, just remember seeing Rent and just thinking how revolutionary oh. that was. And then, I mean, not my show, obviously, but... And even Chicago. I mean, both of those were just such incredible campaigns mm-hmm. that have with that still endure and mm-hmm. are still feel yeah. fresh and still feel yeah exactly. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, it is really crazy. I think what else? I mean, I remember the campaign for Sweet Charity is not is not iconographic, but I remember there were three posters of Christina Applegate yeah. in different oh, colorways, like the bubbles, and, and the, then oh, yeah, and the flower. Really and I remember yeah. when I was doing it was a lot of based on just looking at Lichtenstein paintings, the dot matrices and all of that. And, and and I remember when Drew showed me, and then that's when they put out those cards. Like, there were actually postcards, I think, or, like, folded cards that actually had her yeah, each they, version on them. And it was just great. They drank out pieces, maybe. Yeah, and that was really cool. You know what Kiara loved? Baby, it's you. Mm. I don't know if it's because that was my first show where I worked with you, mm-hmm. with, but that, to me, was... A key art image that I just knew exactly what the story was. Three girls. Was it three or four? Four girls. Four girls. <laughs> the like Shirelles. The purplish background. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and then the blue and pink was really a. a yes. Color. The color was well, that was in the that was the purple. Right. Velour. That's right. Portals. Yeah, you're right. You remember? Yeah. Well, yeah, I go see everyone's <laughs> I mean, shows, and I'm like <laughs> looking at the set, and but um. And then you had Bethel Level above with the her glasses, glasses coming down, yes. and that just you know, again like the pillow man. I knew this, the, a story was going to mm-hmm. happen. You know, you see this woman, mm-hmm. and I just think about that. But I love that Spock did that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, going back even farther with the Chicago, when you mentioned the Chicago campaign prior to that, the original Chicago, yeah, which is that that no? Do you remember? It's that the famous painting of the women. Uh, yeah, and they're with the instruments and the. Well, no, it was Tony Walton's. Um, oh, I think it's cabaret. No, um, no, Tony Walton's. It's Tony Walton's sketch. It's his. That, of the two ladies. It's the women in Chicago. No, no, it's it's those women in a. 
They're like uplit from footlights. It's a, it's on. Yeah, the no, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna pull it up right that's now. That's an illustration. That's a that's a rendering by Tony Walton. Really? Yeah. And and there there's some other key uh, art pieces that he created. The original Pippin. Mm. The logo out of the bodies. Yeah. That's Tony Walton. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's there's an example where you have a scenic yeah, designer really, really creating the logo. Well, you know who does that still is LCT um, McMullen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, but he's not a set. He's designer. not a set designer. He's, he's just a painter, rather designer. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I'm just, my alternative career, like I'm obsessed with film sequence, film title sequence. Oh, we love it. We we mm -hmm. love a good title oh, sequence. I mean, our broadcast department, we, and you know, when we translate all of our stuff into motion, like. The, we are often referencing great title sequences. We one of our favorites in the motion department is the Pink Panther. Oh yeah. Um, I can't think of that artist right now, but he's done several. Right. Do you know what a contemporary one I just think is was brilliant was Feud. On TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, the, like, oh, that was yeah. amazing. That yeah. was incredible. With the yeah. falling, the, yeah. Yeah. all that, the sort of like, yeah. I love true detention. Like, yeah, it was yeah. That's great. Like, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. One of my favorites, and it's kind of a dumb one, is Gattaca. Oh yeah, just yeah. It's so the, clear yeah. about like this, what it is, what, it's, yeah. what it is, yeah. and like the, the the serif font and the all caps and everything's lowercase, and then each of the credits it started running. I remember calling Atwood's name comes, and then you see the T is big, and then it, like, mm, by yeah. the end it's like, and it's all about you know cell and all of these like and DNA, identity and DNA. DNA. Yeah. How important typography is, isn't it? Like I love it. How typography is so important. It really is, and but also but also that one became so relentless that. It just kept nailing the concept yeah. over and over and over. By the end, you're like, oh my God, it's so amazing. And that yeah. was for me, at least. Similarly, I think, to when you walk into a theater and see the set for the first time, it sets your expectations. No, the yeah, credit sequence yeah, on yeah. a television show or a film sets you up for what they should set you up for what the experience is going to be. Well, you know, I, we're going to wrap up soon. Um, but, you know, bringing it kind of to film, uh, and we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier about with so many movie adaptations and how a movie is written with so many transitions, right. you know, I mean, that must be such a huge challenge for you guys when you, you know, you get that script and, you know, hopefully the writer has thought about, you know, how it's going to work, but sometimes I'm sure it doesn't and there's just boom, 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 boom. I feel boom, like a writer doesn't, doesn't frequently do that. I, they don't think about it at all. Do you think? Yeah. No, no I, I don't think, think they, they do. Don't. I think many, they're hoping many that someone helps formed yeah. by more by films that they've seen and, mm -hmm. and inspired by that rather than theater. Right. And yeah, I don't think people are writing songs. things like in the classic, knowing like first act, we can yeah. go to four locations and then that, like that and more. So, so you're, with your that, job to really... Just, I think people feel liberated to just do what, right. they write, what they want to write and know that it will be solved. Yeah. Now with the changing, you know, technology and what's happening with, on Broadway, I think, is a lot is digital and we're using a lot more digital screens to invoke locations and now do you do we think that that's uh just to the time of technology or is that because you guys of the way things are written i mean is that i'm projections and whatnot like i know harry potter's gonna be doing some you know crazy stuff and i and the one that i liked was um the dog and the murder whatever that oh, was curious, curious. Curious. Yeah. yeah like is that in your Wheelhouse, like, do you guys work on projections and, like and how they interact with design and things yeah. like that? I mean, I think it's just another tool. It's another, another tool, tool yeah. that you can use, and I think yeah. you can you can overuse it. And yeah, I mean, sometimes it feels like it just uh, in place of in, well, in certain ways, and I I don't yeah, always love I mean, that. Like, it's yeah. economical sometimes. I think. Yeah, I think sometimes. I think, I think in the case of like Mean Girls, which is 
a huge <clears throat> digital, I mean, really is with some, right. some scenic pieces, but it's like the set and I have a big hand in the, the projection content, but um, that was like trying to use it in a way that is pure, like, like how do we be super pure about it? Like mm. use it as a screen and, but like also animation and the idea of, of whipping these project these, these locations and it became out of like just not out of necessity because there are ways to do it but it's like the number of places we're here we're in a hallway we're in this da, 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 da. but also it feel, feels fresh and it feels of that like generation and the social media impact that we have we, like that actually is happening on stage because we're telling it today not in the day that the film was done um, so I'm excited by it but then I'm also in the same season doing the band's visit which is mm-hmm. Like a very like origami like set, but like to that I think the thing is like what I think Anna and I do is like we adapt to the story and we do right. what the best suits the story yeah. and to be able to have something so heavily digital next to something else that's not traditional but has textures and layers and architecture and all of that it's like being a chameleon to be able to be best addressing the needs of the piece of what we're putting on stage. Yeah. Interesting. I think I think with the case of of Honeymoon in Vegas, which incorporated both. Uh, actual scenery, like built scenery and and digital scenery, was mainly out of necessity because I uh, I had limited space. Mm. You know, like when I did it at Paper Mill, mm-hmm. it was a much deeper theater. We had 15 feet of extra depth. And when I didn't we realized it was such a deep theater. Yeah, mm-hmm. and when we moved to the Nederlander, we had much less space. So, uh, but the um, the producers wanted me to put more scenery on stage because we we did a minimal version. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, were so they were like making this look like a big, big production. Is that yeah? Like they that? wanted they wanted because at the beginning we kind of like skimmed through it. It was mm-hmm. supposed to be Brooklyn, but we didn't have any scenery. We right. just had a, a few carts and things. Uh-huh. So they wanted Brooklyn, and then they wanted uh, Hawaii and Las Vegas and all these places. And so um, I I came up with a, these tracking screens mm-hmm. that you saw that right? Yeah, they, I saw wanted, that, yeah. they came on stage. But they were digital, they were LED screens that were framed to move on and off stage. And I also wanted the band to be able to be visible sometimes, but then they also wanted them to go away. So I needed to cover the band. So the only way I could do that was to bring these screens on. And within the screens, I created the digital content. And this is a case where I almost bit off more than I could chew because I thought, okay, well, this these projections have to be scenic. So I took on the task of designing the projections. Wow. So, um, but I didn't want to just rely on the digital content because I had actual scenery. So I blended the I blended the digital screens with scenic elements that always landed on top, or mm-hmm. and then I put things in front. So I had, say, for example, when we were in Brooklyn, I had all the storefronts created on these LED screens. But then I flew in the upper parts of the building, so they landed on top, so you could. And then you got the whole... So the light design could, you know, scrape light across Mm -hmm. the windows and the fire escapes. And then... How um, big were the screens? Like... They were about... uh, They filled... There were two of them, and they trapped on stage, and they filled the stage picture. But they were only eight feet tall. Mm -hmm. Eight eight or nine feet tall. So anything... So anytime they came across, they would cover the band, but then I always had to cap the top with something. Right. So when they went on the subway, though, these just tracked on, and then there was the subway, and we could create movement, movement and motion. The yeah. And then the pipe, the, the 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 bars that they would hold would track on stage. So the actors created a layer in front of the screens always. And then when we were in Hawaii, the two screens came on, and it was the house, but the roof of the house tracked on, 
and the palm tree came on and it was all it all filled this the space across the top but then the palm tree image continued down on the LED screen so there's a lot of that kind of precision stuff that took a lot more time than I ever expected yeah, it to sure. because then we had to have the daytime house and the nighttime <laughs> house and then suddenly it was like oh we have to change the image you yeah. can't just like let yeah. it differently. you actually had to match the the sky texture on the LED screen and then upstage I had another LED screen that filled the upper half against the back wall and do you just out of curiosity do you have to pitch these I like how do you you draw them out and then you I mean for a, for a director or producer who can't quite I mean how do you we, sell the idea we did a model you do yeah. you mock them up awards and yeah. models and yeah. Just I mean this because Mean Girls is so digital because like each story like if they say no to a story Oh, well, a storyboard is one thing, but I guess a model is the next step after the storyboard. When it wants to, is it all depends. digital concepts? I mean, we did yeah. a, like, a half inch model of Mean Girls to show the architecture of the space, but all the digital content and stuff right. that I conjured on a storyboard and then passed it over to the digital our design digital designers. Design. Yeah, I mean, there is a production designer, but it's like I already established a, like, a huge amount of it. Um, and yeah, but that's the quickest way to show the character and how to establish what the architecture is. I mean, my the, the part of it that's more intriguing to me is when it's pattern, texture, or color, or creating an animation sequence, something like that. Because that's when I feel like, at least in the case of Mean Girls, it's the most vibrant and successful. When we're like duplicating architecture, that's when I'm kind of like, well, that's when I, but in, in the context of this, it, it to me it works. But um, yeah, it's a, that's a, it's a funny one. Projection. Yeah, it, it, it is. I feel like it can be. A, I mean, I remember getting a phone call from Jerry Schoenfeld, and he, the woman in white, was coming over, and he called and we were talking something, and just said, "So are you worried that like this is going to take over your career? That you're going to uh, have a career after all of this?" And I just, I said, "It was all projections, wasn't it?" It was all yeah. projections, yeah. yeah. And and, and I said, I, I, I said, my instinct at the time was, was, I said. Well, I hope that there's always a place for texture and for something that people need to hold. And, and you know, that, I said, that's a great, because the idea conceptually for that, to me at the time, I hadn't seen it, was like, I said, we're in a ghost story. It sounds like a good idea, you know? But I said, I don't think that works for everything. And I feel like digital can't work for everything. Yeah, really mixed what? feelings about some of this stuff. Because I'm such a, I love theater for the medium of, because it's theater yeah. and I don't want to go necessarily to see a movie when I want to go to the right, theater right. and one of the my favorite productions Mary, I can't remember how they what the title was but it was one of the versions of Mary Queen of Scots and my favorite was just called Mary Queen of Scots um, that they brought up from England and it had rain on stage um, oh Mary Stewart Mary Stewart yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and oh, I was just I mean Omar, it yeah. was just an amazing production um, and so simple. And yeah. Beautiful. I mean, they really kind moments, of transferred the yeah. Dharma. It was Anthony Ward designed it, and he won a Tony for those costumes directed yeah, by Carla yeah. Lloyd. Well, yes, Lloyd, yeah. Right. And it was, but the set design, as minimal as it was, was I thought pulled you right into yeah. the world, and then the sound design with the rain. And if yeah. you had did, did, did a scrim and a digital projection of rain, it would have yeah, been like. Yeah. And it would have made, and it also at the time period, like it just would have. But if you had done that in order to save money or for. Or just for the technological wow of it, I just feel like you would have lost the the feel of why you go to the theater to experience these, these things and this kind of weird, artful, real time yeah. quality of uh, it. Yeah. I don't know what I mean. The challenges that must pose on the lighting designer, digital screens, and it's a lot be. for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. us, I know like the like when those screens are on, there's constant backlight, right. so it's like ever present. So it's sculpting the yeah. people with that on.
But, you know, in, in Honeymoon in Vegas, I thought so successfully those screens worked because there were so many locations and, you know, if there were that many actual set pieces, it just wouldn't have fit. Like you were saying, there was no room, but right. it was but successful. The, but the thing that's tricky with when, when you're creating, a, you know, scenic elements on the screen is you also have to consider the lighting of it all. It, you know, I had to... You know, do lighting. You know, yeah, I mean, it in a different way. Another and layer for you guys. Who was lighting the show had to match the light, his lighting to the scenic elements. So. Well, thank you guys so much for um, joining us. And it's, oh, I, we really love you guys here at Spaco, and I love you guys. And I look forward. And now to I love you. So yeah, so no, I, it's true, and I look forward to seeing you. your oh. guys' work and more to come from you guys. Yes. Um, so we thank feel you, very Lisa. lucky at Spotco to be able to, you know, work with the great creative teams on Broadway. It's part of what makes our work so wonderful to do. It is. So true. Thank you. So thank you. And Lisa, thanks for joining me today. And thank you listeners out there. My, <laughs> my NPR voice. <laughs>Thank you for listening to this episode of Spaco Presents. This actually marks the end of our first batch of episodes for the podcast. We're hard at work on developing the next batch and seeing what those are going to sound like and who they're going to feature and what they're going to be about. And we want to hear from you. Yes, please. So shoot us a tweet at, at @spotnyc or an email at spot at spotnyc.com. Looking forward to hearing from you guys soon.